Then Jesus began to say to all in the synagogue in Nazareth, Today this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his mouth. They said, Is not this Joseph's son? He said to them, Doubtless you will quote to me this proverb, Doctor, cure yourself. And you will say, Do hear also in your hometown the things that we have heard you did at Capernaum. And he said, Truly I tell you, no prophet is accepted in the prophet's hometown. But the truth is, there were many widows in Israel in the time of Elijah, when the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was a severe famine over all the land. Yet Elijah was sent to none of them, except to a widow at Zarephath in Sidon. There were also many lepers in Israel in the time of the prophet Elisha, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. When they heard this, all in the synagogue were filled with rage. They got up, drove him out of the town, and led him to the brow of the hill on which their town was built, so that they might hurl him off the cliff. But he passed through the midst of them and went on his way. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. You may be seated. So how many of you... When you heard Steve read the second lesson, immediately had sound effects, right? No, immediately started thinking of weddings. Yeah. How many of you had it read at your wedding, right? Yeah. It, it, that's where most of us think of when we hear this reading. To no surprise, I remember something different, as pastors usually do. When I hear this reading, I remember a very specific night when I was in college, and I showed up to this Methodist church on some night of the week, Monday night, I think, and I was blindfolded and led up a stairwell to this inner chapel of this enormous Methodist church that I had never seen before in my life. And then... We're in this room. I have no idea how many people are already in the room waiting on us to get there. But then I hear verses being read, someone reading this verse, someone else reading the next verse, someone else reading the next verse, and on and on and on through this whole reading that we just heard. It's a very weird story, right? So in undergrad, I was part of a group called Kappa Phi, which was not like those sororities, right? It was a Christian service organization, um, and this was our very first initiation rite, where they would read us this passage about what it means to live out God's love. And after the reading was done, then our blindfolds were taken off, and we got to find out who our big sister was, and it was, oh, yay! It was super great. But it's a little bit of a weird memory to have associated with this reading not a wedding. But this group of women would meet every week, and at some point, sometimes at the beginning, sometimes at the end of our meetings, we would always have the same prayer. Lights in the darkness, oh God, help us be. Now over the past few weeks, we have had readings that are all in a row from 1 Corinthians. Now Paul had spent the first 
several chapters of the letter, addressing all of these different divisions that were in the Corinthian church and writing to them to remind them that Christ had called them to labor and to work together. But they kept wanting to divide and to keep all of these divisions that characterized their life outside of the church. They wanted to keep all of those things when they gathered to eat and when they gathered to worship. They believed that some of them were better than others because of where they stood in society or because of the spiritual gifts they had received from God. Because if I can speak in tongues, I am better than someone who has the gift of wisdom. Right? Wrong. The answer is wrong. So Paul chastises them and tells them that even though they have been abundantly blessed as a church because so many of them have spiritual gifts, all of those gifts have the same source. They all come from the same spirit. All of these gifts and all of these abilities work together to help the body of Christ to function well and to function healthily. So I believe last week we heard the reading where some are the hands of the body of Christ and some are the feet of the body of Christ and some are the eyes of the body of Christ. Because if we were all elbows of the body of Christ, what good is an elbow without an arm? I mean, re- really, think about it. Like, right? If we were all the ring finger of the body of Christ, the weakest finger of all of them, it wouldn't be very useful. There would be things that could be done, sure, but we couldn't do everything and work together. So we need all of the members of the body of Christ to work together, which means that someone in here is the hands of the body of Christ, and someone in here is the feet of the body of Christ, and someone is the brain, and someone is the mouth, that can be me for right now. Someone is, right? Someone are the eyes. Someone has to be the liver. So, Glenn is the liver of the body of Christ. I like it, right? But we need all of these things to work together. So, Paul uses this example to tell them, like, while it is wonderful to have the gift of teaching or the gift of wisdom or the gift of speaking in tongues, he encourages them to look above and beyond those gifts to what binds them all together, to this still more excellent way of love. Because this is a love that motivates and informs everything that we do. That love that abides even still at the end of the day when all of our work for the day is done. It is that love that still shines brightly, pushing back the boundaries of darkness. And it's that love that enables all of us to work together as the body of Christ, working for good and for what God calls us to do together. But have any of you ever known another human being and you have not loved them, and liked them at the same time? Have you always loved and liked your spouse? You can say no, it's a safe space. 
Have you always loved and liked your parents? Yes. Right. Have you ever loved and liked your children all the time? Right? Or your friends? Right? Because we say and we do things and all the time that hurt one another, we disagree, and we get on one another's nerves pretty regularly. So I want you to think about that, and then also remember our gospel reading this morning. Jesus had returned home, and everyone who was gathered in the synagogue was so excited because one of their own had returned to teach them. Like most kids who grow up in a faith community, we have, all of us have a little bit of a hand in raising the kids, right? We watch them grow up. We watch them sing the songs in Spy Kids. We watch them grow up and be acolytes and then tell us about all of the hoagies that are still outside to be picked up. There's your commercial again. They're invested in him, and they're so excited. Remember whenever the kids came back from Houston, and everyone was so excited when they came back and told the story about what happened at the youth gathering. You're so excited when one of your own gets back up to teach you about something. And things started fairly well. They were amazed at his teaching, and they reminded themselves that this really was Mary and Joseph's son that they had watched grow up in their community. And then Jesus changes the tone. In the midst of him being accepted by everyone, he tells them that he's not being accepted, which felt like a slap in the face to those who were there cheering him on. Because he's challenging them to think outside themselves. To think of the examples from scripture of who God cares for and who God loves. The widow of Zarephath and Naaman the Syrian. People who would not have been invited to worship with or to eat with them. People who were considered so different from them that they could not even be walking in the same places at the market if they would have dared to be there at the same time. Because God is not only for those who are invited and allowed to be in a worship space. God is for all, including those who are not gathered in here with us right now. Now it is easy to talk about how everyone in the world is our neighbor and how God loves everyone. Because I promise you, if you listen to the children's sermons, Pastor John and I work some sentence like that in every week. Because it's important for our kids to know that in the very core of their beings. We teach it to them in Sunday school. We have some, something about it in our prayers of intercession every week. But it's much harder to live out that love when we leave the space and our seats and our pews. It's harder to have it mean something more than words because it demands time, it demands energy, it demands patience, it demands kindness, and it demands compromise. It demands that we see God in the face of those we disagree with which also means 
It demands that they see God in our faces when we disagree with them, and we may not have shown Christ to them. But the thing that binds us all together is this love that Paul writes about in 1 Corinthians. Because that is what draws us together and then sends us back out to show it to the world. This is the love that builds up community, builds up a community of so many gifted members so that all of the parts of the body of Christ are represented and functioning and working God's mission in the world. This is the love that calls us to be lights in the darkness. Lights who make disciples and live faithfully and serve others even when we leave the church doors. Following us, following where God is calling us to go.